The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, hour two is underway here, folks. Uh, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk with uh, our representative in the State House of Florida about the convention of the states. And let me just set up the reason why we're going to talk to him. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that the Republicans who are sitting in the Senate, uh, judging by what the how, the product the House has already put out, that, that this Republican Party is about ready to sell out to the idea that government has a rather extensive and expansive role in our health care. That's what I believe is going to happen, that billions upon billions upon billions of taxpayer dollars will still be dedicated to subsidizing the traitorous insurance companies and social and, and leaving in place socialized medicine in maybe a lesser degree, but every bit as much eroding and cancerous and long term detrimental to this country. I have a sneaking suspicion that's going to happen. So. If that does, if slash when that does, what is our recourse? Article 5 to the U.S. Constitution. We'll talk about the latest on that with uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Caldwell. He is a representative, as I said, in the Florida State House. That's coming up at the Chris Salcedo Show. But, but back, to the, back to the Democrats and their rebranding of themselves. Uh, this is, uh, it's, it's funny. Because I, I listened to Chuck Schumer and I said to myself, this is the same old crap you've been shoveling down our throats for years. What, what, what is so new about, oh, we're going to use government to go after big business because government is the great protector against big business who is harming your life. It's, it's utter bullcrap. The only time that big business, hear me, I want you guys to hear this. The only time that big business harms your life or my life is when it teams up with big government. That's the only damn time because that's the only time they get control over you. A business that is operating as a true free enterprise business, you have a choice. Either I can go there or I don't. We don't allow monopolies in this country anymore. What that government ought to be doing is creating com competition and getting the hell out of the way. But the only time a company can hurt you is if it teams up with government or if government uh, puts all these regulations, stifling regulations designed to allow government into the front door to get money for politicians and to get money for government from that successful business. Now, I'm not talking about taxes. I'm talking about other stuff. About the onerous regulations that are placed on these industries. And gee, I would really, I would really love to help you out. Uh, uh, but you know what? You're just going to have to send some swag my way. And then I can relax some of these regulations we're going to impose on your industry or on your company. And that's how, that's, that's how these deals get done. And Chuck Schumer's party are the grand architects of this way of doing business. Government being in business where it has no place. 
where, you know, just, can anybody trust Schumer to run, to run a popsicle stand, much less be able to run any business? We're going to change the way companies can merge. We have these huge companies buying up other big companies. It hurts workers and it hurts prices. The old Adam Smith idea of competition, it's gone. So people hate it when they're... Wait a minute. The reason why it's gone is because of you. The reason why it's gone is because of Democrats. You're the ones who sold out to the traitorous insurance companies and allowed them to carve up the country. You're the one who uh, stands in the way of us forcing the insurance companies to compete across state lines. You're the ones that allow them to carve out individual rules for individual states so they can charge maximum profit. They don't want to compete. They're crony capitalists in the traitorous insurance companies. You, Chuck Schumer, your party, you're the one that allowed cable companies to, how many of you, how many of you, when I was, when I was working in, um, in Washington, I was on Verizon, and Verizon was a great company. Oh, ver- fiber optic, lightning fast, ever reliable service. How many of you have internet service that is just crap, and you, you want to go with a competitor, and and the other and and there's if you're lucky you get one other provider in your area and that other provider is just as crappy wouldn't you love to be able to choose from any cable company from any bit of technology around the country well there are some technological limitations to that and i will concede that but also there's a massive payoff to to politicians to allow uh, they're not to be an actual free marketplace in cable. Cable itself, cable itself is a corrupt enterprise. Millions upon millions of Americans have asked for the Blaze Television to be put on their cable lineup. And these, these people refuse. These people who run these companies, you know why? It's not because of demand. I mean, there's the, the demand would be instantaneous to the tune of millions, as many are looking for an alternative to certain other channels. But it's those certain other channels who have the money to buy off the cable companies to stop that competition from happening. So, at any rate, that's not necessarily government, but... The cable companies, the way, the, way, the way they're able to carve out and maximize their profits is a mechanism of government. But the concept is the same. It's turf wars. It's protecting your turf. And it's not American. It's, uh, it's not free enterprise. It, it, it's borderline, not even capitalism. So Chuck Schumer blaming all of these other factors for people's misery it is his party that have been the architects largely of all of this their cable bills go up their airline fees they know that gas prices are sticky you know when the domestic price goes uh when the p- price for oil goes up on the markets it goes right up but it never goes down how never goes down is this guy really an idiot i mean ser- seriously uh, you, you guys tell me is chuck schumer an idiot or is he just is is he just hoping that you are? Because gas prices are at a 12-year low right now. 
how can the leader of the Democrats in the Senate jump on national television and claim that gas prices never come down when they're at a 12-year low? How can he do that? Well, a corrupt press, yeah. The heck did we let Exxon and Mobil merge? And that was Democrats. You know, inflation. So we're going to go after that, and that will help the average person lower their costs. And finally, we're going to have tomorrow a very novel idea of how to create 10 million jobs. There are 10 million Americans looking for good-paying jobs. We're going to show them how to find them. We're, yeah, and how much do you guys want to bet this will be some massive government program that Democrats will administer? That unionized Democrats inside of the federal government will administer. <laughs> we got tens of millions of people looking for work and the only way they can find it is through government. Right. And that's just the beginning. Week after week, month after month, we're going to roll out specific pieces here that are quite different than the Democratic Party you heard in the past. We were too cautious. <laughs> we were too namby-pamby. This is sharp, bold, and will appeal Some to both the old Obama coalition, let's say the young lady who's just getting out of college, and the Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. Wait a minute. First off, sharp and bold? Talk, talk about repackaged and tired. This is all the same crap that they do every single time they get in trouble. I've been around long enough to know that this is all regurgitated garbage, left-wing garbage designed to have all-powerful government. But to all you Democrats with the sound of my voice, I want you to hear what Chuck Schumer just said. Listen to this. And the Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. The, the Democrat voters who deserted us for Trump. This is how Schumer and Pelosi look at you voters out there. You deserted them for Trump. You deserted them. That's a negative they look at you and say, how dare you desert us? We are worthy. We are, the, we are the Democrat Party power establishment. You don't desert us. They Look, all you Democrats out there in flyover country, because you, you folks in the coasts <laughs> are lost. But you folks over who call yourselves Democrats and fly over country, listen to me good. And actually, listen to me. Listen to Chuck Schumer. The Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. Who deserted us for Trump. They can't conceive that it was they who deserted you. That it was they who took the side of Black Lives Matter. It was they who took the side of the rioters and those who were perpetrating violence in the streets and burning down communities in the streets. And it was they who, in this irrational display of attacking Donald Trump for whatever, doesn't even, doesn't even take into account you being able to put food on your plate, feed your family, put a roof over your head, have a job, that it was they who failed you, and Chuck Schumer can't conceive of it. He believes you betrayed him. The Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump, the blue-collar worker. Some may wonder. Economics, George, is our strength. You don't need, dude, your economics is not your strength. You don't even, you, you couldn't create a growing economy if your life depended on it. Katrina Pearson jumps on Fox and, uh, well, has some fun mocking the Democrats. There's no question that the Democrats need to rebrand, uh, particularly after the spanking they received in November. But I don't think that copying an American pizza chain is the answer to that. <laughs> She's talking about 
Papa John's. The Democrats' new slogan sounds a lot like Papa John's slogans. I mean, Chuck Toomer, you guys know why we call him Chuck Toomer, right? Because he's a big Obamacare fan, the cancer that is Obamacare. So we call him Chuck Toomer now because he will not rescue Democrats from what he did if, if, the, if Obama's legacy is taken out. He, he says we must preserve Obama's legacy, then we can worry about rescuing our constituents says Chuck Toomer. That's why he has that name now. Because what they're actually doing by saying better jobs, better wages, better future, etc., is saying that the last eight years of Obama's administration have failed. She's right. The, the Democrat Party is admitting that life really did suck hard under President Obama. And that, and that their constituents, their leftists, sorry, not all Democrats are leftists. Those who vote Democrat were left behind when they had the House, the Senate, and the White House. Everybody, unless you were a left-wing extremist or you were, you were transgendered, you were gay, you were some sort of special interest group, Black Lives Matter, everybody else was left behind except for those special interest groups. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. It's not just a show. It's a movement. Join the swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. One of the things that people that no longer want to vote for the 2015 repeal bill are worried about is that Medicaid goes away in two years, the Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't do anything to underlying Medicaid, so it doesn't reduce the cost there, and some of them are worried about that. But I have offered that in the BRCA, the Senate leadership bill, there's a seven-year relaxing window where the Medicaid expansion gradually doesn't go away but gets paid for by the states over a seven-year period. I've said, well, we could put that on the clean repeal, and I would accept that as a compromise. And I think some of them are thinking about it. Rand Paul uh, offering up his compromise, which is not getting rid of the Obamacare's inappropriate, ill-advised, idiotic and stupid expansion of Medicaid, which was offering uh, coverage to a bunch of people who didn't deserve it. Uh, you guys, Medicaid was set up to help the extremely vulnerable 2% of our 2% of our budget. And it's, it's ballooned up under Obama to nearly 10% of our budget. It's because Obama piled on folks, 200 to 400% of poverty level who arguably don't need government help for health care. They're not the most vulnerable. That's what Medicaid was set up to help. Who it was set up to help. So Rand Paul is saying, okay, well, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't want to get rid of that, but let's phase out federal involvement and, and phase it out to where the states take on the bulk of the responsibility. Meaning, if these states are so enamored with giving away stuff and covering more people, let the states tax their people more over seven years and see if the, the working folk 
go for it. And, and of course, all these Democrat and, to be fair, Republican governors who have become addicted to federal money like crack don't want to give it up. They have to balance their budgets. And they don't want to do, they don't want to raise taxes. But it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? Governor Kasich of Ohio, isn't it a wonderful thing to put people 200 to 400% of poverty level on the Medicaid rolls? Well, groovy, man, raise taxes. Be, be the, the liberal Governor Kasich we know you to be. Raise your damn taxes if it's so great and see how long you're in office. But don't expect we in Texas to subsidize your, your, your federal money crack addiction, bonehead. Don't expect that. So anyway, that's Rand Paul's take on this and who knows where it's going to go. But Donald Trump decided he would turn up the heat a little bit on Republicans and Democrats. He also took the occasion yesterday to remind America of how we got here. That Obamacare was rammed on our throats by a series of Democrat lies. Behind me today, we have real American families, great families, to spend a lot of time with them, who are suffering because seven years ago, a small group of politicians and special interests in Washington engineered a government takeover of health care. Every pledge that Washington Democrats made to pass that bill turned out to be a lie. It was a big, fat, ugly lie. And we all know it. The keeping your insurance, keeping your doctor, saving $2,500 a year. Democrats promised Americans like Steve Finn, a former police officer in West Virginia, that they would save $2,500 a year under Obamacare. Instead, his premiums have more than tripled. That's pretty bad. As a result of Obamacare's skyrocketing costs, Steve and his family and many of his employees had no other option than going on Medicaid and giving up their existing coverage. So Obamacare created more dependents sent them on to Medicaid, more government dependence, which is exactly what it was designed to do to create government dependence and make sure, hey, all of your medical care is being paid for by somebody else, but you can thank a Democrat, thank Obama, thank Senator Chuck Schumer, blah, 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 blah. That's the whole design. That's how you win votes and keep yourself fat and happy and rich off of other people's money. So Trump continued to blast away Blasting Democrats for refusing to fix the mess that they caused, breaking our health care system. The Washington politicians who made those promises to Steve, Marjorie, Melissa, Aaron, and their beautiful children want to ignore all the pain, all the suffering, and all of the money, the tremendous amounts of money that these lies have caused. They want to forget about the countless Americans they've hurt and the many that they are continuing to hurt every day by refusing to help us replace Obamacare. And then he targeted the GOP. But they can now keep their promise to the American people to provide emergency relief to those in desperate need of help and to improve health care for all Americans. Will the GOP listen to us? I've told you I am skeptical. And if they don't listen to us, what is our recourse? We'll talk about Article 5 to the U.S. Constitution up next on The Chris Elsato Show.
888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. They have loaded this bill with pork. It's become a pork fest. And frankly, I want to vote on a clean repeal. And if I'm given that assurance, I will vote for it. But right now, I've been given no assurance and no one has bothered to negotiate. We have offered to negotiate for weeks and we've gotten zip from the leadership. As the lay of the land right now in the United States Senate, this is how they're doing business. Nobody knows what the heck is going on. What bill is going to be voted on? They don't know. And speculation is running rampant where the leadership knows. I think they do. But the broader point is this. uh, And this goes into this whole discussion we've been having about is there a difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party? And what are Republican values? Many people like you and me are growing very frustrated with the growing similarities that it seems now the Republican Party under the Mitch McConnell and, and, and Paul Ryan's leadership have accepted the premise that government has a role in paying for your health care, whether it be collecting taxes and paying off these traitorous insurance companies uh, in, in this uh, basically accepting Obamacare's premise. So many are growing frustrated saying, well, where do we go? And many are turning the Constitution of the United States. Joining me right now, Matthew Caldwell. He is a seventh-generation Florida native, passionate defender of the God-given constitutional liberties, and supports limited government led by citizen legislators. He currently chairs the State Affairs Committee in the Florida House. Representative Caldwell, also a part of the Assembly of State Legislatures, organizing with legislators from around the country to convene an Article 5 convention. Mr. Caldwell, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Absolutely, Chris. Always great to be with you. Let's talk about the the Obamacare fail. Uh, and, and when I say fail, this is encompassing of both political parties on Capitol Hill. The fail from the Democrats from imposing this socialist model on the country and then the failure of the Republican Party to rid us of this failed socialist model. John Boehner, one of the architects of the GOP surrender, was quoted last week as saying the Republicans will never repeal Obamacare. Would you give your reaction, sir? Uh, it's just incredibly disappointing. I mean, I've, it's clear the nation was looking for uh, people to take them to be taken seriously. You, you look at the Senate and the way that they've uh, broken down these last few weeks and, and not being able. It looks like, you know, maybe we'll get a vote. Maybe we won't on what uh, we're, we're still not quite sure. But, uh, you know, the, the people have spoken for the last six years. They want something different. They want action. And, Washington, D.C., and, and it's just not happening, regardless of who we send there. Now, we we have been looking at the Charlie Gard case as evidence of the failure of one-size-fits-all, cookie-cutter, collectivist, socialist uh, medical models. Uh, and, of course, the individual is always lost, and, and in this case, uh, sub- the life of this child is being suborned to this... <laughs> Well, to socialism, so that so that the national pride of the UK can take hold in their socialist practices. Meanwhile, the rights of the individual go away and we're seeing it play out on the world stage right now. 
I, I think you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, there's there's no way around it. When you put the uh, government in charge of your health care, at the end of the day, they're, they're going to make decisions that are that are better for the government, not for the individual. These are decisions that should be left up to the parents, to the individuals uh, when, when you are old enough to make your own decisions. These are these are questions that should not be left to bureaucrats, to a, to a faceless state to dictate uh, what's the best outcome for for us each individually. Matthew Caldwell, seventh generation Florida native. He is also uh, a representative out there in the in in the state of Florida. He is also a f- affiliated with the Assembly of State Legislatures. And so uh, there has been uh, some and, and we watch it, of course, uh, on the Chris Salcedo show. Some states have opted out, have actually passed bills to say they're no longer participating in the Assembly of State Legislatures, the Article 5 Convention of the states, if you will. Some of the states have come on board. Can you give us an update on where we sit as far as an Article 5 Convention? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot of uh, energy uh, coming from every different direction. You've got uh, the Assembly that I've been a part of. It was uh, bipartisan, simply looking at uh, what would the rules be if, if you do have a convention, uh, if, it, if it operates uh, under Article 5 of our Constitution, uh, how, how do you do the nuts and bolts of that and, and didn't get into any topics? Uh, that work was was wrapped up uh, last summer. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the group, uh, you can find it on their website, the proposed rules, and uh, we, we look forward to the time when we have a meeting. And, and uh, having a meeting is, is likely going to be pushed by the other groups out there. So you've seen uh, the Convention of States organization, uh, Tom Coburn at, at the lead of that, and uh, they're at 12 states so far that have adopted their resolution, including uh, Florida. Uh, they have partnered uh, this September with the state of Arizona. Arizona is going to host a, uh, a meeting officially for uh, states to get together and, and talk about uh, making this uh, be a reality. There's nothing uh, that prevents states from getting together. In fact, before World War II, uh, states did it all the time. It's it's really an anomaly that the last 60, 70 years uh, we haven't had meetings among states. And so uh, Arizona's offered to host uh, everybody in September, and uh, we're hoping to be a participant in that. Now, at one point, uh, there were 28 states that had had resolutions passed either uh, recently during the Obama administration or back in the 80s. And, and those don't expire unless they're they're voted down. Has that count gone down or do we stay pat at 28 states that have that have legislation from their state legislatures on the books to participate in an Article five convention if if called? Sure. And this can get a little a little complicated, but uh, you have another organization, the Balanced Budget Amendment Group. They've they've been focused specifically on that topic. And right now their count is at 27 states uh, that have an active and open call uh, for that. And they've got. Uh, some targets. Uh, and, and you're right. There are a few states this last year that that uh, rescinded their calls. So uh, Maryland and Delaware and New Mexico, uh, you've got states that the, that are run uh, by Democratic uh, legislators, and they've been moving to actually uh, remove their calls that have maybe been hanging out there for 20, 30 years. But um, there's some really good targets uh, that there's no reason you, you couldn't see, uh, see us getting there. States like South Carolina or Montana uh, who still haven't adopted uh, these calls. And if they did, uh, you could absolutely uh, see a pathway to get to the 34 we need uh, to, to have this very important uh, convention. Yeah, 34 is needed, folks, to call the convention, 38 to pass any amendment to the U.S. Constitution. 
Uh, and uh, again, even if a convention like this is convened, it will be enough to to really rattle some cages up there on Capitol Hill. And I got to say, Representative Caldwell, that if if the legislators in Washington, D.C. will not do the will of the American people, it's time for the American people to rein in Washington, D.C. And that's kind of what's behind the entire effort. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what uh, was debated at the original Constitutional Convention. You go back to, to 1786, 87, and you, you read the transcripts of the, of the debates they had. There was a concern that, that Congress would devolve uh, into what we have today, a, a ossified uh, infrastructure that's not able to, to recognize what the people want and need to get done. Uh, and they specifically provided Article 5 uh, for that scenario. And that's really the biggest thing. You know, you, you have folks out there on the right and the left that, uh, for whatever reason, they, they oppose the idea of an Article 5 convention. Uh, and, of course, my, my response would be, well, you know, you, you trust the founders uh, who have crafted uh, the Constitution, the, the greatest document in human history, except for the part that they put in there to let us empower ourselves. Uh, I, I, that really doesn't compute for me. And so, yeah, me either. Uh, I, I, am, I am right there with you. And, Representative, I'm up against the clock here, so I appreciate the time. Matthew Caldwell, everybody, seventh generation, Florida native, Florida House representatives. Caldwell is also part of the Assembly of State Legislatures, uh, ASL, sir. Always appreciate the update here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Absolutely, Chris. Enjoy it. All right, when we get back, we will wrap up the show for today with some, uh, well, some interesting takes from the Wall Street Journal that I found absolutely fascinating on the Obamacare repeal or place debate. It's all coming up in the Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, there was a time, ladies and gentlemen, when the Wall Street Journal was a was a bastion of conservatism, where the Wall Street Journal editorial page, where their opinion, their commentary, their news was was decidedly uh, their, their news was uh, not antagonistic toward conservatism, and their opinion was decidedly conservative. That has changed over the years. That being said, when there is a, a good offering or a at least a thought-provoking offering, I want to talk a little bit about it. Heather Higgins writes the following in the Wall Street Journal, Force Congress's Hand on Healthcare. Now, I, I have told you my impression and my understanding of Obamacare was that lawmakers were forced onto Obamacare through an amendment. I think it was Chuck Grassley who offered it, if memory serves. And anyway, they were forced on the exchanges, but they also received stipends up to $12,000 a year to offset the pain for, for, they, uh, for them and their, and their staffs at, at, on Capitol Hill. You and I don't get $12,000 a year to buy insurance. They do on Capitol Hill. Heather Higgins writes, if President Trump is serious about repealing Obamacare, about delivering better policy with more choice, 
delivering a better policy with more choice and lower costs. There's a simple move he could make that wouldn't require congressional approval. It would align the interests of lawmakers and their staffers with the interests of the voters. Congress is essentially unaffected by the high costs of the Obamacare exchanges because of a special exemption crafted under President Obama's administration. The Affordable Care Act required members of Congress and their employees to participate in the health insurance exchanges it established. They should have lost the generous coverage they had in the Federal Employees Health Benefit Program and instead bought one of the government-mandated options offered by the ACA exchanges. In late 2012, however, staffers and members figured out what was about to happen and begged President Obama for relief. Just as Congress was going into its August recess in 2013, the Office of Personnel Management ratified the fiction that the House and Senate each have fewer than 50 employees and thus qualify as a small business. That enabled OPM to establish a system of special subsidies and exemptions, sparing Congress the embarrassment of a self-serving vote. Many staffers are exempted and allowed to remain on their old insurance plans. Members of Congress and their designated official office staff are insured through the District of Columbia's Small Business Exchange, but they receive a one-of-a-kind subsidy from their employer, the U.S. taxpayers, of $12,000 or about 70% of their premiums. All that would be illegal for anyone else. In fact, it's illegal for Congress, too. But since it was established administratively, it can be uh, it, it can be ended the same way. The president should announce that he is introducing OPM to uh, or actually instructing OPM to end the exemption and subsidies for Congress. This is smart politics. One poll found 94 percent of voters oppose the special deal for Congress. It would also lead to small smart policy. Any continued failure to reform health care means members of Congress and their staff would suffer under the current system. If the president does this, he'd have huge, huge negotiating leverage. He would align the interests of the ruling class with those of the voters, forcing Congress to act. He might even get some Democrat votes. By the way, Ms. Higgins, CEO of Independent Women's Voice, runs the Repeal and Reform Coalition. Uh, I would you all read this piece and you all retweet this piece out to uh, President Trump. See if now he's out there bashing on Jeff Sessions enough. I mean, he can bash on the members of Congress a little bit more. I think they could they deserve it. Don't you? I'm just saying might be a, uh, a good thing to approach. Let's see, was one other thing I wanted to get to get to you guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Jeff Sessions. Do do you think he is going to be allowed to resign or will he be fired? Jeff Sessions, uh, at least my read of the man, is that he will not resign. He's going to force Trump to fire him. 
And there is a report out there that I saw breaking while we were on the air. Uh, Well, it may not have been breaking, but I just saw it flash across the screen over at Fox News that says that the attorney general is about ready to be fired. What do you guys think of that? Do you think that this attorney general, Jeff Sessions, who has been wrongly accused of being a racist by the left, deserves to be fired by the president of the United States for doing what he has done? That I will also say this. Isn't it funny how so many in the basket of biased press who have savaged Jeff Sessions for years as a senator and then when he was put up for AG are now suddenly his greatest defenders against the evil Trump? I find that fascinating. Hey, remember, everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Hump day tomorrow. See you then right here on The Blitz. 900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.